right. So today on the show, we have a lovely guest named Nancy Sweetman, who was a Canadian two-time Olympian. Nancy, welcome to the show today. Thanks, Curtis. Great to be here. Thank you. So can you tell me a little bit about your career when you started swimming? Like, how old were you when you got into it? I started swimming when I was between five and six years old. My mom was a swimmer in Toronto when she was younger, not seriously as she would say, but uh, we lived in a small town. I had two brothers and it was an, an easy place to go. She could take her three kids of different genders and we could all go to the same spot at the same time. She ended up volunteering. And so it was just a place that very early on, it was just where we went after school. Mm -hmm. Was swimming like a love at first sight kind of thing? Did you enjoy it right away? I can't say that I loved swimming right away. We had a boat that my parents loved to go out on, especially in the summertime. And so for them, learning how to swim was what they called insurance. And so because of that, we did lots of lengths. And they just wanted us comfortable if we ever fell off the boat, right? Or could swim right. ashore. So that was their insurance for us. As I did, the, I was really fortunate. They exposed us to lots of different things growing up, girl guides, skating. We did lots of family ski trips. Um, canoeing we used to I did soccer and baseball but what I found was all those sports I either didn't enjoy them I didn't enjoy having a ball hurling at me I didn't enjoy uh, different aspects of them so eventually swimming just came up and kind of blossomed and prospered as the more things I tried the more I realized it was the right fit for me did you at one point like stop all the other sports and just focus on swimming only absolutely as you know when you become more and more uh, I guess advanced in a sport, you have to start to fine tune it. And I think when I was around 12 years old, when I was 11 or 12, I won uh, my first provincial meet and we got to go down to a tour trip to California. And uh, what was neat about that, it was my first tour team. I'd never traveled uh, with swimming out of the country before. And it was a real reward, a real carrot, if you will, uh, mm -hmm. to kind of say, hey, this is what can happen. Yeah. And so as a result, it, you, you don't mind doing more. Um, and at the time too, as you start to get older, you start to train more and do more practices per week and more dry land as you get older, you're able to start lifting weights, and et cetera. So it was just a natural progression that, you know, suddenly one more workout a week, and then there was two more, and then there was Saturday mornings. And eventually it just, you know, it kind of became what you were doing. So how old were you when you realized that you like could do this on a world scale and compete? Wow. Well, on an interesting side note, um, again, I said we were, I grew up in Lindsay, Ontario, great small mm -hmm. town, about 12,000 people when I was growing up. And my mom actually was my swim coach. She, uh, my parents at an early age when I was around 12, like I said, uh, at the time, usually you left your town and you went to the cities to train. You boarded at someone's house. And my parents, unbeknownst to me, but they sat down and said, is that something we want to do? Do we want to send our daughter away and, and basically you know, have her raised by someone else and train someone else. And how old were you decided, at the time? Oh, anywhere 12, 13, 14. Okay. You know, it could have happened anytime. Okay. And so they decided my mom would go away and actually get the information and knowledge and bring it back. And, and the kids in our community could benefit. And uh, there was an amazing group of volunteer parents that went through their coaching, uh, amazing teamwork. I had a Grey Cup award-winning uh, football player who did our dryland coaching, who was awesome. I have to credit him a lot for my career. And they just worked together and brought that information in. And as a result, we never, I never had to train away because mm -hmm. we brought that information in. 
And I credit her as well for asking questions and going out and getting answers. And I swam a, an event called Individual Medley, which is all four strokes. You do butterfly, backstroke, breaststroke, and freestyle. Uh, for those of you out there, I'm sure you know Michael Phelps. That was one of his events as well. So it's kind of the, the triathlon, if you will, of swimming, all four strokes. But we would go to the best backstroke coach in the country and go train with them for a little while. And that's how I got better in backstroke. She would bring the knowledge back. We went to the best breaststroking place and learned about breaststroke and tweaked my, my stroke. So I think I learned a lot from her in respect to if you want to learn something, you go the best and you, you ask them questions and you learn from them. And then our small town ended up having about seven national qualifiers because of all this amazing knowledge that they had in that little, little pool. Yeah, I think that's pretty powerful at a young age to start to like be able to go and train with the best, but know to like, if you want to be the best, okay, well, who's the best person I need to go learn from? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and I was really lucky too, because coming from a small town, often I was one, one or, of one or one of two people that was representing my town. You'd go to these big meets, national meets, and it'd be Lindsay, one person. And so to have trained with all those other clubs and gone on training camps with them, I really felt that I had support from a number of different people because I was kind of a, a little piece of everybody. Mm -hmm. So when did you, so you're going through this, then you compete in high school and how was your high school uh, swimming career? Well, my first time um, swimming, I think I went to my first high school meet and then I wasn't allowed to race after that because once you're at a certain caliber, at that time, um, you're not allowed to compete against the kids. And it makes sense, right? If they're just doing a bit of seasonal swimming. So high school, I was very lucky. Honestly, all through my high school, I think I packed a bag at the end of June. And I came back at the end of uh, August, early September, after having done training camps with the national team, traveling, altitude, you name it. And then going usually to whatever event was at the end of the summer. And uh, that's what I did. Lived out of a suitcase trained with all sorts of amazing athletes, similar headspace, you know, we're all racing, we're all doing equal sacrifices. So that was my norm. And I say sacrifices lightly because I didn't know any different when you grow mm -hmm. up in a sport and you do it since you're very young, it, it is your lifestyle and it is what you know. You're surrounded by 25 other people that are doing exactly the same thing as you and you have all sorts of support from psychologists to massage therapists. They're all there to support you you're not missing anything. Like you have, you have what you need. Everything's right. there. Yeah. What was it? What was like a typical day of your, from waking up to ending for when you were starting, you know, with all these people surrounding you and really competing? Uh, you mean like a training camp wise or? Yeah, it's like, what was a typical day in your life as like a competitor? Uh, when you're starting, you know, you're now you're at this high level and you're really competing, you're mm -hmm. getting good. What was like a typical day of your routine? Well, one thing um, in hindsight that I look back on, I didn't realize how I thought about swimming 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You're always thinking ahead. When's my next workout? What am I eating now? That's going to help me then. When do I need to rest between workouts? If I was ever traveling, I always had to look, where's there a pool that I can get my workout in? Um, it was an inconvenience to leave your town or city because, you know, you had to fit that workout in and timed it with the, whatever hours there was lane swims in a pool. So the typical day basically was getting up, you know, fueling yourself. That's huge. Making sure you have the right food at the right time, mm -hmm. uh, having in the right amount of sleep, um, making sure you're prepared and, and they're early for workouts, doing your warm ups properly, getting yourself engaged and ready to go. 
doing your workout and then your warm downs, fueling yourself after, making sure you have a good, the best recovery possible. Often there was rest after that at some point um, before your next workout. Typically there was two workouts a day. And then again, uh, it's basically repeat, get ready for workout, swim, and then and post-workout. And in between there, I ended up uh, going to university. My parents always supported and, and strongly recommended, I guess, that I continue my education. And again, in hindsight, I felt that was a really wise advice because a bad day in the pool, you could always have a good day at school or a good exam, or there was something else to occupy your time. Mm-hmm. And, and conversely, if you had a bad day at school, you could get it out in the pool. You know, you could work out that frustration. And as a result, life had balance and life had um, kind of a give and take. And uh, even my last year when I went to the Olympics in 1996, I trained down in Florida for a year and I still took courses. I took uh, Spanish and I took astrology and I just did some fun stuff. I did Toastmasters, but it was really great to always have your mind busy as well. Cause I think when your body is so physically busy and tired that you mm-hmm. really have to make sure that you match your mind up with it for that balance. So what did you do? Like, uh, as far as fueling, I was curious about like, what was a good meal to fuel your body in order to prep for like swimming like that for a, a day of just training? <laughs> in all honesty, I don't, you probably could laugh because we're talking almost 20 years ago, right? Yeah. So that was 20 years ago, technology. We didn't, do anything crazy i remember when i was in uh, elementary school they told you to eat a mars bar right before cross-country running right yeah you so, see stickers bars before like baseball games exactly yeah <laughs> we didn't do that but uh certainly there was education back then on uh simple sugars right and, and making mm-hmm. sure that you had your energy sports drinks diluted during workouts um that's how you sustained yourself over you know an hour and a half to two hours of workouts and then they knew as well with the 15 minute window uh, prior to your workout that you wanted to get some fuel in there. I was fortunate again um, with my family background. We eat very healthy, very uh, low processed foods. Mm-hmm. Just Canada Foods Guide, which is basically, you know, half your plates, vegetables, protein and, and low in fat, which was the trend then too, right? Lower fat. In hindsight, maybe I would have done a little bit better if we'd known that those fats were better for us. But at the time, uh, we did the best we could. Got it. So... You make it to Barcelona in 1992. When did you start knowing that you had an opportunity to compete and be on the Canadian team? I just slowly, my mom and I, um, we just slowly progressed in 1988 when I was about 14, I think. I um, just missed the 88 Olympics by 17 one hundredths of a second. So you can barely snap that with your fingers. And that was the first year that the Canadian team had implemented uh, time standards. Normally, if you were top two in the country, you went, mm-hmm. but uh, that was the first year. So I came in second. I still, if I had made the cut, would have gone. But because I was just over the cut, I didn't go. However, I made my first national team. And that was when we used to do a dual meet every year with Russia. It was the former Russia. And it was an incredible first trip to do just the learnings I had. And we stayed in the Olympic village that was there and just to learn and see how different people live around the country and different types of food that they had and trying to race off of food that you're not used to was such an eye opener. But I continued from there and, and that started me basically on our, our quadrennial or a four year cycle where I went from just missing the Olympics but I got to do all of the things that led up to that. I did the Commonwealth Games, which is all the countries in the Commonwealth. We did a world championships. Um, and so all of that 
kind of puts you on the trajectory for the next Olympic Games when they come around. Okay. Being in a small group, uh, in a small town, in a small club, there wasn't other Olympians there for people to get excited about. So we kept it fairly low key. And with my mom being my coach, I think we didn't talk about swimming at home because that was a, a agreement that we had that it was at the pool, it was swimming and at home it was home. Hmm. And so as a result, we didn't ever, I don't remember actually ever saying, I want to go to the Olympics one day or this is going to happen. It just, we just really looked at how to get faster and how to get stronger. And then the pieces just fell into place and we just kept going higher and higher. Nice. So you make it to Barcelona in 92. And what happens there? Uh, well, it's an interesting, it was a, it was an amazing experience. I always say the Olympics are crazy and they, and they often say that the people who win at world championships are actually the best in the world because the Olympics have a dynamic with media and the attention that they get. It's, it's kind of a circus with all mm -hmm. of the stuff that goes on versus world championships. We just quietly do our sport and everybody gets up and races and, and it's a bit easier that way. Um, I went to Barcelona and we had to do a training camp ahead of time uh, that I chose to do because it was long course and we were in Spain. Uh, where were we? France. I think we were in France actually, sorry. And uh, I ended up training uh, under a different group and I lost about 12 pounds just because I was on a different training program. I enjoyed it. I had a great time. However, it wasn't the best for the way that I had done my training up until then. And so as a result, I came in, uh, I think I was a seventh mm -hmm. at, um, in the 200 AM and an 11th or 13th in the uh, 400 AM. So respectable. Um, had I stayed at home and trained in my own pool for 25 meters, um, I'm not sure if I would have done as well because that would have been a long haul to do by myself. So my coach and I chose that I would go away with the national team and I would train with them. And uh, again, I don't regret it, but it probably in hindsight wasn't the best for my performance. What is after competing in that, what's your, what's, what goes through next in your mind of like, of your performance and being able to continue to, you know, go to the next level and uh, up, up your game? Mm -hmm. Well, even coming off of that, right. It's such mm -hmm. a, it, it was such an eye opener. And I think at the time, um, the national team was also hoping people could go to more than one Olympics because you really learn a ton when you're there, just how to deal and cope with all these things. And um, so for me, yeah, you, what's neat about it, swimming is usually the first uh, week or two, like week to 10 days, sorry. And what's neat is because we're done first, you get to observe and watch other athletes go through their highs and lows. And it's a big snowball effect. Every night, more and more people are finishing and you're celebrating and um, starting to relax and kind of go like, whoa, what just happened, you know? And um, so all of that just helped me kind of reflect and say, oh yeah, okay, everybody wants to win. Nobody goes there, I think, wanting to come in, you know, 15th yeah. or something. Right. But you also realize, okay, I gave it, I was fortunate, I think, I, I gave 100% at that time with what I could. And um, you have to be satisfied walking away from that. So moving forward, came back, I happened to, that coincided with graduating from university, or excuse me, from high school. And so I went off to university. So it was a nice transition for me. And so how old were you, like 18, competing in Barcelona Olympics? That's 17? right, yeah. Wow. Yeah, 18, yeah. Yeah, I turned 19 at some point on the way home. Yeah, so at 18, yeah. you're competing on a world scale. Yes, and actually since I, 
Yes, since I was 14, right? You're 14. Yeah, yeah. So in swimming, um, girls, especially females, um, you kind of usually you can make it kind of prepubescent, like kind of before puberty or um, after. And mm -hmm. so I was fortunate again. I give credit a lot of credit to my coaches that I was able to hold my technique and maintain my position and career um, through all of those transitions as our bodies change. Nice. So you get back from the Olympics. That's ninety two. Mm -hmm. You won the World Cup in ninety one. Mm -hmm. So is the World Cup is all this pretty much the same swimmers that compete in the Olympics are in the World Cup? Yes, often, and it's fun because it's a it's a community, right? You get to know a lot of these people. Right. The World Cup um, I did when I was in high school, and basically you take off and it's race, race, travel, race, race, travel. And you go say to Germany and then the next morning you're up and the time changes crazy and you're tired and you want to sleep in the morning or whatever. And yeah, you race for two days and then um, you hop on the plane the next day and you go to Sweden and then you race for two days there and you hop on a plane and you go to Italy. And so it is a lot of the same people. They kind of come and go because you can select uh, which days you went. And again, this is back in 1991. So mm -hmm. things may have changed now, but you did get to know a lot of the athletes from different cities and, uh, or country story. And you also get to know your teammates better too. So basically the people you're competing against in the world cup were the same as the Olympians. You just didn't have, um, is excel as well as you did in the world cup and, uh, from 91 to 92. Mm -hmm. And I would say the world cup events also are short course, which I think was my strength. That's a 25 meter pool and the Olympics are held 50 meter pool. And oh, so I think that's right, twice as long. Yeah. And so I think the, yeah, the short course was just more to my advantage. I, I had good turns. Nice. Okay, so you get back from Barcelona, 92, you enroll in college? Yes. So you Yeah, college? and it was great. Yeah, it was fun. Um, my coach or mom at the time just felt she'd taken me as far as she could. Right. And so I ended up going up training. Uh, I went to Laurentian University in Northern Ontario and trained under uh, Dr. Yano Tahani, who was a coach of a famous Canadian called uh, Alex Bauman, who won multiple medals at the 1984 Olympics. And um, I just wanted to give it a try. He was very successful in the individual medley, which is the stroke that I swam. Mm -hmm. and so yeah, just gave it a try. And it was the first time I'd swum under someone besides you know, my mom since I was very young. So that was an interesting transition, just learning how to advocate for myself and communicating because I think she and I were so intuitive with each other that that just happened. So it was a learning to have to, to speak up a bit more in that regard. Had an explosive first year. I was the closest I ever was to a world record. I think it was like seven one hundredths or something at a, a short course meet uh, at the university championships. So that was pretty cool. And uh, I think the, the short sprinty training that we did um, when I was at home combined with a bit of longer endurance stuff when I, mm -hmm. I joined his program was just a really awesome mix and so had a great first year there and then in my second and third year by my third year I just knew that it wasn't the right fit and so did some really hard soul searching in my third year and just realized that it wasn't the right place for me and I wasn't happy I wasn't loving swimming anymore mm -hmm. and I knew that sport was a currency that was connected to my youth and I wasn't going to have it forever so I decided to leave in my third year and uh, eventually went down and, and lived in Florida for a year and trained with um, some amazing people from uh, Brazil and Macedonia and the States and Canada. 
and I trained outdoors. I said, if I'm going to do this one more time, this is my last kick at the can to go to the Olympics. Mm -hmm. Train outside. I'm going to take time off school, even though I did some fun courses at night. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just, I just went for it. I was like, this is it. And so, uh, let's chat about now you're, you know, you're going for it again. Your mind's on there. Like, what do you, what do you have to give up in order to achieve at this level? Like, what are you like sacrificing that maybe the average person has like no clue or someone who wants to do something great, but doesn't realize that all the sacrifice that comes with competing at the top of the world. I will tell you this. If I had to do that again, doing what I do today, like now, I probably couldn't do it. But at the time, that was my lifestyle. And it was very centric. And as a result, you know, there wasn't too many external relationships. Um, you didn't do a lot else because you just were so focused on your training and your resting in between and eating well. Um, so there wasn't time for other things, but I didn't miss it because I was doing something that I loved mm -hmm. and I was hanging out with people that I enjoyed their company. And so I, I wouldn't say I sacrificed a lot because to me, there wasn't a, I would loved where I was going. There wasn't right. a, you know, that's, that's a tough one to answer. Now that I have a family and stuff, there's no way that I could give all, just push it all aside. I, from personality wise, I couldn't do that. But back then I didn't, you know, I didn't have a house. I didn't have a yard to do like all that stuff would have been sacrificed. Right. <laughs> Was there people back then who were like challenging you and telling you like, was there, did you have the naysayers and the people like, Oh, you can't do this. Do you know what? I learned very early on to surround yourself with great people. And um, I think I was sheltered a bit uh, from some negativity. Ah, do you know, I don't think so. Um, I'm just thinking of some politics and stuff, maybe early on um, having a female coach. I think uh, my mom dealt with a lot that I'm learning now as I'm older and she's like, Oh, here's what happened then. So, but I, I was sheltered from that, you know, I think, and uh, it was just, just able to and fortunate enough to be able to to really pursue my swimming yeah that's awesome i mean not too many people get to wake up every day and just do what they love <laughs> mm -hmm. and i was lucky too i met like seven great women now um in high school that really supported me we're all doing some interesting different things mm -hmm. but um in a nutshell they were very supportive and you know sent me faxes when i was away they'd go to my dad's office and i'd get these faxes sent you know so i really had some amazing support i think that enabled me to to stay on that path and not feel um pulled in any other directions yeah so I'm looking here and before you get into make the Olympics in Atlanta, you won the world championships in Rio in 95. You mm -hmm. were a silver medalist. Silver medal. Silver yeah, medal. silver medal. That was amazing. So we went down to Rio de Janeiro in um, Brazil and they basically on the beach there, uh, they put in two portable pools. They dug holes and put in 25 meter pools put the stands in, there was all these people in bathing suits from the beach and there was water cannons shooting to the stands and the music was playing so loud that the floorboards were vibrating. Like when you walked on the deck, you could feel the bass of the music. And uh, again, I, I'd done a lot of work uh, just in terms of piecing myself a bit back together. I got a bit burnt out when I was up, uh, up north. Mm -hmm. So that's what I focused on in 
in Florida. And one of the things that stayed with me with the coach there was just about being as strong as your weakest link. And if you look at the different chains, be it friends, social, you know, families, sports, all those things, they all have to be strong so that when you're up in the block, you're racing as, as strong and as united as you can, right? Internally. Yeah. And so um, going down to Brazil, that was just a culmination of all those things that I'd worked on. And it was short course, which I loved. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so just swam my heart out and got a silver medal. It's on the beach. <laughs> on the beach. And the weirdest thing was we got up the next morning to go back to train before we flew out. Uh -huh. And the pool was gone. They, all there was was sand. And you're like, how did they do that? So it was pretty cool. Wow. That yeah. sounds like so... You win that, you fly back. Do you fly back to Florida? Yes. And then you start training for Atlanta to be able to, yeah. to make the team. That's right. Yeah, there's Olympic trials where you have to do, again, that certain, certain time standard and come within a certain probably top two position. And uh, squeak that in. I only, I only swam the 400 IM uh, when I went to Atlanta. And... I always wondered, you know, oh, the Olympics are always in different countries, you know, that's kind of interesting, but it was fascinating as an athlete to see it because Barcelona was amazing. The culture was beautiful. I remember all the banners and when you drove from the Olympic Village to the pool, they always took a different route. So as an athlete, you never know, knew if it was going to be 45 minutes or 20 minutes to get to the pool. So there was this element kind of of just what if, like you got to be kind of go early but then be prepared to put in some extra time if you're there early or vice right. versa. And going to Atlanta, it was just American. You know, there was sponsors everywhere and uh, Pepsi this and Coke that. And, um, but the accommodations were amazing. We stayed at the uh, Georgia Tech uh, University and it was air conditioned. You could eat the food. For the first time ever, our venue was actually on the campus where the athletes stayed. So you were totally in control of how soon or whenever you wanted to get there. So it was a very different um, event, and, and it was just fascinating to see how different different countries, you know, show who they are through the Olympics. Right. Going into this, what were you ranked in the world? Honestly, I don't remember. I mean, obviously, the top 16 in order to qualify. Okay, um, so you're the top 16. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So did you have your mind? Obviously, you want to go and win. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think in my heart of hearts, I think I knew I wasn't in contention for a medal um, right. for 400 IM. Uh, but I also can say that I went in and I gave 100% on the day with what I had. And I was very proud of myself for what I had come through um, over the last four years and where I was and who I was mm -hmm. um, at that point in time. So Olympics ends. What's after that for swimming? Well, that's a great question. I think you're all done. I've done two Olympics. I've done, you know, nine years in the national team. So I've done right. two cycles. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to, to try to take off you know, two one hundredths of a second, because the best time always, you know, that's what you're striving for. But when you get up to that level, you don't take off seconds anymore. You know, you're taking off pieces of seconds. And I just realized, you know, I'm not, I knew I wasn't in love with it anymore. And I knew that um, there wasn't, to keep going, wasn't going to improve me or I, my heart wasn't in it as much. So I had a friend, a good friend of mine from home uh, that was rowing. 
in Brock, at Brock University, which is a, a town in, or a, a city, I guess, in uh, southwestern Ontario. And she was rowing. So I went down to visit her and I uh, was like, hey, this is kind of cool. So the first year I went back, I switched universities. I went back to school because I still had to finish that up. And again, thank my parents because I had that swimming to fall back on or the, the schooling to fall mm -hmm. back on, right? When I was kind of like, when the swimming park got a bit low, I was like, oh, I got to go back to school. Yay. And, uh, but I rode with her and we actually that summer ended up uh, winning a gold medal at the, the Henley. I had these four or three other great women in our boat. And uh, what I really learned and what it really taught me was that everything that I learned in swimming is transferable. And all of those things that I was worried that I spent 19 years of my life swimming, um, that I wasn't gonna be able to take that with me. But I learned that everything is transferable and that I can take that with me. And as long as I have the right coach, mm -hmm. And a mentor to help me translate it into into how I learn and how I, I figure it out then I can do anything and so for me that was a huge piece in my transition and I also realized then how much I missed a coach because the coaches as an athlete they are there for you all the time right and uh, not having that person thinking of you and, and thinking of you know, kind of saying here's the plan and here's where you're going um, not having that was a huge transition as well to suddenly take that over yourself. Um, so right. that was a big, mm -hmm. so what did, how did you deal? I mean, each person deals with them, but how did you deal with the transition period? Well, I, such a high scale then to be like, Oh, okay, this is over. Mm -hmm. I was educated enough in like physiology to understand that mentally going from like four to six hours a day of training and doing nothing is not good for you. <laughs> And I'd seen some people that just stopped and saw them kind of swell. And, and I was like, okay, I don't want to be that. So I actually uh, signed up for some triathlons after and uh, got into cycling and a bit of running. And so I just kind of pieced those out um, mm -hmm. once the rowing was over and, and did that. I kept working on my academics and then eventually graduated. And then that was kind of crazy because it's like, okay, now your swimming's done. Now your school's done. What are you going to do now? Yeah. So, yeah. So I actually took, I, I graduated with a Bachelor of Commerce degree, honors, and uh, ended up working for a major food company in purchasing. And uh, that complemented my focus and ability to multitask and plan and organize and all that. So that trans transition went well as well. Nice. That's awesome. And so that led you to now, do you still, do you teach swimming? I do actually. Um, I always said that swimming was always there for me. It was kind of my comfort. So anytime mm -hmm. I switched to a new job in a new town or city, I always joined the swim team or found the YMCA and, yeah. and hopped in. And it was always kind of my comfort in transitions. And then I'd know when I was doing well, because I would slowly stop swimming, it would just slowly disappear. And I'd all of a sudden be doing other things. And, and so having kids now, um, and just believing that I was so fortunate to have so many people volunteer uh, in my career when I was younger, yeah. that I am, I'm happy to volunteer and hopefully spark a passion. You know, I think a lot of people, especially in a, we're in a small town again, um, you know, you need to rub shoulders with people that have done some interesting things. And so to be an Olympian and be able to, to show these kids that we're just everyday people and if you put your mind to it, you can do it. Yeah. 
I want to touch back on, you said that, you know, when you were a swimmer, you always had a coach and someone there to like kind of mentor you and guide you. Mm -hmm. And you lose that. A lot of people, you know, it's people usually play sports are the ones who usually have the coaches. And I mean, you talk about the best athletes in the world. You were like a swimmer. You talk about the best, you know, regardless, whatever sport, there's great coaches that these players have. What did you do in order to kind of um, have that in this, your day-to-day life? I think you flounder for a little bit, I think, because first of all, you're so happy to be done with that routine and done with the, the monotony kind of, of, of all of that. Right. And, and then you go, wait a second, but I'm kind of not accomplishing anything anymore either. So for me, it was just a matter of making sure that I, I filled in the, the pieces, right? So looked at my day um, and I did it when I trained. So it was kind of easy to do afterwards, but say, okay, when am I going to do some workouts? And um, I learned a little bit more about the different, personally, I think my coaches always looked after it, but you know, learning about the different energy systems and what I need to do every week. So kind of saying, okay, I'm going to go for a long run this day and, and do some weights that day. Looked at things that I enjoyed um, mm-hmm. and that were fun and, and tried to fill it in. And, and basically I've heard before, some of my friends said this, you know, um, divorce, death, I think graduation and moving were some of the four biggest stresses in your life. So again, I had that, I had that support from my friends right. that kind of said, Hey man, you're, you had a 19 year career. Like you, you can't expect to just swing from that and, and, and be at the same caliber in something else right away. Right. So I'm still, I was looking for a while at, okay, what's the next thing? Is it going to be a sport? I looked at rowing and then I thought, no, I don't want to, I don't want to go start this again and, and have that every day tired. I want to do something different. So it took quite a bit of time to kind of figure that out. And uh, I'd say I'm still kind of searching for that next thing that you, you want to dive in hundred percent into. Um, but I'm not sure if I'll find it. Cause I don't know if there's anything that I would sacrifice as we talked about earlier, the family that I now have to do at 120%. Right. Maybe that family is the current swimming. Exactly. And I right. think I've done, I've done some work, you know, in terms of values and stuff and family yeah. is my value. So um, I'd love to provide for my children, um, what I had when I grew up and, and that sense of stability to launch and, and conquer. Yeah. I like what you said about how I'm going to, I'm going to use my words with it, but the universe doesn't destroy old mechanisms. It only builds new ones on top of what you've already learned. Right. So you said like transferable, mm-hmm. right? So I like it your way better. <laughs> so what is, what did you take from swimming? What did, has swimming taught you that you now apply and like your day-to-day living, because a lot of people just play sports. I mean, I played sport baseball for 18 years. Mm-hmm. And now you even saying that question to me, I'm sparking up in my mind. I'm like, oh yeah, like, you know, I've gone back and I've seen what it's taught, but it's a great question to ask somebody. It's like, well, what are you taking from that? Like, are you just throwing it away? Like, wh- how did you use it? Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I remember when, uh, I was graduating from university and, and friends were writing resumes and they were, you know, they had years of working at different places and various things. And all I had was swimming. And I was like, how do I put that on a resume? Like just, I swam, I went to an Olympics, that's it. So, um, but my first job, when I got hired after, they said, you know what, we can train you in the business, but we cannot train you in your organization skills and your discipline and, and those types of things. And so that really made me realize again, what I had to offer as an athlete yeah. and what I, I um, currently when I look back and I think what I still use today 
is making sure that you're really clear what your goals are. And my goals right now are very small. Mm -hmm. um, I also have found, you know, when you're busy having multiple people in your life, little people and a husband, um, <laughs> you have to lower your expectations, right? Because there's so many things swirling around you. So I really try to narrow in on what is the priority and what is the number one thing that needs to get done or, or what is that? And then surrounding yourself, like, so getting those, I guess, values or those goals mm -hmm. tight yeah. and then making sure you surround yourself with the right people. Um, and I, when I say people, I can, that can be also mechanisms. So, um, things that can help you or, and getting rid of those distractions, be it, you know, all that surplus things on Facebook, you know, get rid of that. Cause it's not getting you, it's not supporting you or keeping you going in the directions that you want to go. And I look back on swimming and that's what happened. I had a goal. And if someone said, do you want to go to this party? You know, it's like, well, that's going to cut out of my sleep. And it's probably not going to make me feel very good. So no, I'm not going to go. And having those clear goals really helped me make decisions. Mm -hmm. And I found and had that clarity. And so today, that's what I'd say I take back with me the most is really knowing where you want to go because it makes decision making so much easier. Yeah, that's huge like, to like be able to, to say no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and with without much internal conflict right it's just right, like yeah no and i don't feel bad about it like no so that i think is big and again just having the right people um there was an analogy i, I can't i can't remember to who i can give credit for but it's the doorman right my husband and i talk a lot about this is who do you let in to your <laughs> yeah. empire right and if and be careful who you let in because you want to let in the right people because once they're in they're hard to kick out <laughs> so making sure you have the right you know that right team behind you that's awesome. I really, uh, I mean, that information right there is applicable to anybody to just whatever they're doing in life to mm -hmm. in order Absolutely. to transform and continue to grow and evolve as an individual. Well, I really appreciate your time today. I do have one last question for you. Um, right. What advice, you know, for the women out there, this is, you know, definitely an interesting time, at least in America with all the, uh, interesting things going on with uh, women empowerment and uh, men being taken down for uh, certain behaviors. Um, what advice do you have for, you know, young women who are starting to go out in their careers and really wanted to make an impact? You know, you competed in on a world scale. So you obviously have the dedication, the mindset in order to achieve that. What, what would you like to share with, um, you know, the young women out there? Oh, that's a, that's a big question. Um, there's so many things, I guess, but um, to pick one uh, in terms of, of now, I guess, is it's going back to what we just talked about was being really clear in what you want to do. And I think when you hold that and you exude it, I don't think as many people can, can mess with you when you have that internal mm. strength and that, um, that power inside. I think when you are persuadable, maybe, or, um, you know, able to do that, I think that maybe shows a bit more. Um, but what I know now as well is to know yourself and know what you need to do to make yourself feel good and then be that powerful person. So for me personally right now, um, exercise makes me feel good. You know what? Mm -hmm. It gives me clarity. It gives me patience with my kids. Um, and so what I've learned, I've tried for years 
to do it at the end of the day. I just think I'm going to put everybody else first in the exercise at the end of the day. It never yeah. works. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm <laughs> done. And then I'm trying to exercise at night and then I, when I should be sleeping and then I can't fall asleep. So for me, one thing I've learned, and I just learned this in the last year is I have to get up early and do it and go. And so that gives me power and strength. And then during the day, I think I'm, I exude a lot more energy outward um, that I'm on 